Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. I'm sharing with you tonight, uh, following on from last week's message, which actually follows on from the week before. Uh, and it was a bit of a, a prompt from the Holy Spirit uh, to come and speak into this subject. Um, so I'm speaking under the uh, banner of facing your inner bully. And last week I was uh, speaking most particularly about anxiety. Um, and and this, this week um, it flows on, but we'll be handling it in something of a different way. If you want to catch up uh, with that and what I was sharing last week, or you feel that that might be something you'll get something out of, then it is available on YouTube. And, uh, and yeah, you can, um, you can catch up with that message there. This, this one will flow on from it. And I think that to help you understand, the way I've been approaching these messages over the last couple of weeks is because we're trying to hit several different points. Um, that it's not, it's not just like a, a beginning to the end message. Um, it's, it's more like um, a buffet. You know, usually um, you don't, when you go to a buffet, you don't think about eating everything at the buffet unless you're 17 or something like that. Um, but usually you would look at the buffet and you'd say, okay, that looks good, that looks good, that looks good. That, um, and, and I suppose this is a little bit like that. It's, it's, uh, I'm going to lay out some trays of truth. Jeez. So, some trays of truth that you can participate in and uh, I'm trusting that you're going to get something, something out of it. The, 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 the pivotal point of this message is going to revolve around uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. And it's um, speaking about, uh, about a prophet called Elijah. And I'm going to read the Scripture um, from uh, 1 Kings 19. It's the first nine verses. This is what the Bible says. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around. There by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate, drank, 
and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Truth is, Lord, we don't just need something that's going to feed our brain. We don't just need information. We need revelation. Holy Spirit, I ask you to have your way in this place tonight. Use me, oh God. Speak through me. As you, as you walk up and down the aisles and the rows of this room this evening, I pray that you would drop truth into people's heart, mind and spirit. I dare to believe that some people's lives are going to be changed. I dare to believe that someone is going to have that kind of moment from which they won't recover. I dare to believe that God, by your Spirit, you will heal somebody in the name of Jesus. Do that which only you can do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Elijah shows us um, with this scripture that if you don't if you don't handle your lows, your lows will handle you. However, because we haven't read the the chapter before, he also shows us that if you don't handle your highs, I'm not talking about that kind of high, so don't, let, don't get it twisted, right? I'm talking about moments of success. I don't want anyone like thinking, all right, this is cool. <laughs> I can handle my highs. No, 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 that's not the point. If you don't handle your highs, if you don't handle your moments of success, they also will handle you because it was, it was great victory. Huge victory that precedes this moment. And, uh, and I want us to understand that, that we're not only vulnerable when we're low. We're also vulnerable in our seasons of success. It might be argued that we're even less vulnerable in our, in our lows because at least we might be a bit on guard. But when everything in the garden's rosy, when everything's cool, when everything's going well, that is when we really can find ourselves uh, vulnerable. And, El- and Elijah shows us this. His vulnerability is exposed because he gets a word from a very, very powerful and as it happens, demonically inspired woman who says she's going she's gonna, to kill him. If, you know, I, I think if you're going to be afraid, that is fair grounds to, to be afraid, except to understand in the chapter before, like Elijah isn't just some bloke. He is a man who, who, knows, how to see, how, who, who knows how to see God move. He's, he's a man who has, has approved God 
in a mighty way. He, he is a man who knows what it is to speak uh, into blue skies and believe for rain and rain, heavy rain comes. This is a man who knows God and he's a man who is, has been used by God in very powerful ways. Um, right now I'm just deciding, should I sneeze? Should I not sneeze? You know that space in between, can I? It's all cool, guys. We're okay. It's okay. We can keep going. So fear, fear took hold of him. Fear led him to run away. Fear meant that he isolated himself. Fear took him to a place where he did not intend to be, and in fact, where God did not intend him to be. If we read a bit further on, we'd read that God actually said to him, well, what are you doing here, Elijah? God didn't ask the question because he didn't know the answer. But sometimes he asks the question because he wants, to, he wants us to ask the question of ourselves. Sometimes to hear the answer come out of our own mouth. A few verses later, he actually said to Elijah, go, way, go back the way you came. Because if fear repositions you, then God will often send you back in order to take you forward. Because he does not want your life run by fear. He does not want your life motivated by fear. He doesn't want you to spend your life running for your life. He wants you to know that he's a great Mighty, powerful God. And He's with you. But we understand from this scenario that, that, that Elijah lost perspective of that. And in fact, if I just, if I just take us back um, to uh, one of the points I've already made that Elijah isolated himself. I think that as we, as we read there in, 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 in uh, 1 Kings 19, Elijah was afraid he ran for his life. And then, after running for his life, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. I want to I wanna address the fact that crisis often comes in a loss of connection. Crisis often comes in a loss of connection. And we see this whole process of him running away and, and, and then making a decision to isolate himself. He said, hey, bro, listen, you stay here. I'm going, you know, I'll find, I'm going to go off. And, and he went into the wilderness. He went into a lonely place. Solitude is not the same as isolation. Solitude is, is a healthy choice. Isolation is shutting others out. It's, it's about driving others away. Isolation has the potential to be damaging both your mental well-being and your physical well-being. Back in 2018, this country was the first country to actually appoint the world's, the world's first, uh, obviously, uh, minister for loneliness. 
Loneliness is a real issue. It's a real issue in our society. And, and we get a little bit of a window into the power of isolation as we look at this because in this place, Elijah lost a sense of who he was. You've you got to compare this place where Elijah is to what he's, what he's just done. This is a man, as I said, who knows God, who believes God, who trusts God, who sees God move in a powerful way. But here in this place, he lost a sense of who God was and he lost a sense of who he was. He lost his perspective on what God can do. How many of you know it's a bad day if you're praying, take my life, Lord? That's a bad day. That's a bad day. He'd had enough. And, and we find him, we, we find him in this place. He, he is not listening to the voice of God. This is a man who knows how to hear the voice of God, but right now he's listening to the voice of his inner bully. This moment is about him saying, ah, you're no better than your ancestors. You're no better than anybody who's gone before. Everything you've done so far is rubbish. Look at you. Look at you. You're, you're, you're running, you're afraid. And, 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 and he poured himself out. He poured himself out uh, spiritually and he was left depleted and in his, in his uh, loneliness, in his, in his isolation, he, he found he did not have the resources to recover. We are vulnerable when we're isolated. We have an enemy who seeks to isolate us. There is a scripture in Mark chapter 5 of a man who, uh, who, is, who is demonized and, and we see that that man by the demonic power within him is driven into isolated places, into the places of the dead. Drives him into a place of isolation. The enemy has a plan to isolate us. It, it is because when we're isolated, we're vulnerable. It's like, let's take it, let's take it down a bit, you know, like... Um, uh, uh, the, the, the wildlife, the, the, the wildlife programs, you know, there's a, pr a pretty classic scene where, you, you know, you hear, um, you know, as the herd stampedes across the sun-kissed terrain, the lion is not sleeping tonight. He awaits his prey. And you see the herd thundering by and there's dust and there's noise and, it's, and, and the lion is just there. And then the thunder, the, the, the uh, herd thunders by. And then you just wait a few moments and there's always that one wildebeest. Like, bro, what are you doing? It, the lion is not going to go for the herd. He's going to go for that one 
drifting on their own. That wildebeest did not even know how, how vulnerable it was. But the lion saw and the lion attacked. Some of you know the story about King David, who, though a, 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 though a, a, a man of God and a, and a great king, he fell morally, he slept with another man's wife. And if you look at the circumstances around that, it actually gets worse than that. But if you look at the circumstances around that, 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 that it, it talks about the fact that, that David, David got up in the evening. Again, you don't get up in the evening unless you're 17. 17 year olds are getting it hard tonight. But he was king. At the time when kings usually go to war, he was at home, alone, had lost some disciplines of his life. That's why he was getting up in the evening. And now he's wandering around on the balcony and he, he is vulnerable to temptation. Something that may not have caught his eye, caught his eye, and, and, and there, there was Bathsheba bathing. I mean, I think she knew that the, the king's balcony could overlook her boudoir. But that's another preach for another day. The point is that, 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 that David was vulnerable because he was alone. He'd isolated himself. He had broke, he, had, he, he was not in the place where he should be and he wasn't doing what he should do. Because he was isolated, Elijah listened to the lies in his own head. And he, having had this this edict, this, this message brought over his life that he was going to die. He, he, full of fear, was actually bringing himself down. He was alone. There was no one near him. But he, there was no one externally taking him down. But he, in this moment, was, he internally was taking himself down. And it skewed his perspective of God. He forgot how great God was. I think that this is, this is no small thing. We, we spoke last week, uh, as I said, about anxiety. And I gave, I gave, I gave you some tools because I didn't want to just speak about anxiety. I wanted to give people tools in how they might overcome uh, in a biblical way, uh, some, some of, of those, those pressures. And, and we talked about the fact that, you know, there's no quick fix, that there's a journey and all that and all that. It's all, it's all on that podcast. But I also, in coming to you tonight, want you to understand that I don't believe that this is just about self-help. Because I think that, you know, if, if church is a place where I just as an individual come and I get help for me. You know, I come and have a great worship time. I come and I get a great word. Uh, then I am, I am actually missing the point of what church is about. 
I, I, this is not just about me getting what I need to get me through another week. Then I will go and, and, and get on with my week. And then when I'm worn out and weary, I'll come back to get an, an, another top up. That is not what church is. And I don't believe that as, as, as important as those principles are that I shared, I don't think they're enough. Because I think that, that, that church is not just, should never be just about a group of individuals. I don't think that we're supposed to get through this on our own. Just try harder. Just be better. Just do more. It's, I believe that we are supposed to help one another. Church should be an environment that, yeah, has worship, yeah, has the Word, but it is also an environment where we minister and encourage one another. There's something that happens in the body. And we've got to address the fact that this isn't, this isn't just an event, a seminar that I attend uh, and, and, you know, um, I get something out of it and I go my way. We are here for one another. Even if, even if I don't like you, I've got to love you. That's what the Bible says. And, 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 and God will meet us. God will meet us through each other. There's some scripture that will help drive this home. Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us consider. In other words, let me think, let me work on something that is going to spur someone else on towards love and good deeds. It's not just about considering what I'm going to get out of the service. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, therefore, encourage one another. Do you want, do you want to know what encourage means? It means to give courage to someone. To where, where, someone, where someone might just need that extra bit of encouragement to get over the next step, the next hump in the road. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just as in fact you are doing. This should be an environment where we are encouraging and building one another up. This, this should be a, a you can do it environment. This, this, this church, this church is a church for people who need encouragement. And it's also a church for people who will encourage. This is not a church for perfect people. This is a church for broken people who are being made whole through and by the Spirit of God. It's about, this is for people on a journey. It's for people who's on the road. Not one of us have made it. Not one of us. Not one of us have made it. We're all on a journey. We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all changing. That's, that's what the gospel is for. Gospel is for your whole life, not just a moment. For you to grow and change and develop. And God is making something beautiful out of your life. But we are part of the process. There shouldn't be anyone who's saying, well, you know what? I just, 
I just come for church for Jesus. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody. And the thing is, you know, when you come to a church this size, uh, the truth is you can't hide. You can't sneak in and sneak out without anyone really ever knowing you. But I do not believe that that is the kind of church we're called to be. We may be, we may be large in number, but with a small church heart, with a small church mentality where we're looking out for one another. I can't know everybody, but I can know somebody. I can't be friends with everybody, but I can be friends with many. And it's about, it's about looking to be the kind of person where I reach into another person's life and I encourage them. You know, the thing is that the answer for some of us isn't another message. The answer for some of us isn't your favourite worship song. The answer for some of us is that we just get our minds off ourselves and we encourage somebody else. I've said it before that sometimes God will send someone along who, who you are meant to encourage because you need to hear come out of your mouth for somebody else. You need to hear it for you. And you're thinking, well, I wish someone would do this for me. Well, God has. Through His Spirit, He has encouraged you through your own mouth. Let us be those who encourage one another and build one another up. Exhort one another, Hebrews 3 says, every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I, I mean, you could preach on all of these because the truth is that means that's a possibility. That we're meant to encourage one another. We're meant to be building one another up because every one of us is vulnerable to being hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 2 Corinthians 13. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Proverbs 12, 25. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. Every one of us, every single one of us, no matter how tough the circumstances are, we can encourage somebody. You can find, you can find something good to say. It, in fact, I, I think this is not a rule for Sunday. It's a rule for life. To be the kind of person who encourages people, to be the kind of pe person who builds people up, to be that person who says to another person, you can do this, you can make it, you're going you're gonna to make it. I, I tell you, there, there's, there's, I, I, in my whole life, I've never heard anyone say, no, please stop encouraging me. <laughs> Enough now. I am so encouraged, I don't know what to do with all the encouragement. I have got. No, because we, we all need it. We all need it. Encouragement and kindness is the way to build relationships. We are wired for relationship with God and with each other. We are family. We are the village. 
All kinds of different people, all kinds of ages, all kinds of ethnicity, all kinds of background. In Christ, we are one family. One family. We're not one just because we gather in the same place at the same time. God wants our lives to intertwine with others because we are meant to be a blessing to somebody else's life and somebody else is meant to be a blessing to you. And in fact, in fact, you can't even, you can't even say that you know and love God if you keep yourself to yourself. That meal, that meal we've just taken, that cup, and, that, and that, that cracker, the bread and, 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 and the wine that Jesus gave to his disciples was not only to, for us to remember what Jesus had done, it was also for us to remember who we are, the body of Christ. That we are one in him. The partakers of the one loaf, one or one. Jesus unites us all. In 1 John 4, in the message version, it says, we though are going, are going to love, love and be loved. See, that's a declaration. That, that's my determination. That I am determined to love you. I am determined to love you. First, we're loved. Now we love. I can love you because Jesus loved me. When I was not lovable, Jesus loved me. If anyone boasts, I love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. There's got to be a place in Jesus, where we find a way of loving one another, helping one another, being there for one another, ministering to one another. Got to look out for one another. Sometimes it's easy to look out for the vulnerable amongst us, but I, I read this uh, in the week and I loved it and I thought, let me share this. It's something written by uh, uh, someone called Emily Cox. Said, but he said this, um, please remember to check in on your strong friend, your busy friend, your happy friend, and your seems to handle everything really well friend. I thought that was really powerful. Because some people do a real good job of looking good. Looking like life's okay. The truth is, some people are in a great deal of pain no matter what their Instagram looks like. Don't let that inner bully keep you isolated. Don't let him tell you you can't trust anybody. Don't, don't let him tell you, ah, you, you know that, that you got hurt by the last lot. You're only going to get hurt the same way here. Jesus helps us Trust again. I know that's a word for somebody. Jesus helps us trust again. And we see actually, I, I, I'm going to kind of rush over this bit, but we see actually that, 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 that God shows us 
that there is there's a recovery process and I actually I actually love this because as we observe we observe um, uh, Elijah's recovery and it's not a quick prayer it's not a quick prophecy it's not a moment it's a process gets a touch from the the angel and then I, I want us to notice I want us to notice something that that God didn't say uh, be strong Elijah he he met he met his needs he met Elijah's needs he met he met Elijah where he was. I, I need you to know we serve a God who meets us where we are. Even when we're not, he was not in a place he should be. He was not in a place in himself. He was not in a place in life that he should be. But God met him where he was. And, the, and I love it. I love it, you know. <laughs> I've talked about it. God, God baked bread. He woke up to find bread and, and, and water by, by him and, and he ate and he drank and he slept. Do you see that, that what was most powerful in this moment was not a word from God. What was most powerful in this moment was that he ate, he got hydrated and he slept. And then when he'd done it, to go and do it all again. Because sometimes... Sometimes that's what it takes. We've got to be prepared. When we, even when God is in the process, we've got to be prepared to go the process. He ate, he drank, he slept, and I, I've thrown in here, he exercised because he traveled for 40 days and nights from that point. Okay, it might be stretching it a little bit, but it is true. And I think that, you know, when we're talking about our areas of mental health, it's not just about a spiritual answer. There are some basic Things that we need to make sure that we're on top. Are we eating properly? Are we eating healthily? Are we are we staying hydrated? Drinking plenty of water? Are we are we sleeping properly? These things are important because without them, God Himself said to Elijah, "The journey is too much for you." So those things are important, and then sure, he got into the presence of God and his. Faith was reignited. But understand there's a process. His faith was reignited. And it was only in that place that I believe that God began, God began to deal with him. Because having your faith reignited means you've got you've to let go. You've got to let go of your negativity. The way I think is really important. Unbelief is a blockage. There's a scripture in Matthew 13 where Jesus himself, Jesus, the Son of God, went to do miracles in that place. He could not do miracles in that place because of their unbelief. Unbelief is a blockage for you. Unbelief is a blockage for God. We've got to get rid of that stuff that is always trying to make us out. Well, you know what? I'll believe it when I see it. If, if, if you're the kind of person that I'll believe it when I see it, you're going to miss it. Because 
Because without faith, the Bible tells us, it's impossible to please God. What, what we have is absolutely, it's, it's essential that we believe. Unbelief will get me to sit back and, we'll, and, and I'll see. It means that I won't engage until I've got proof. Ah, well, we'll see. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know. Heard it all before, really. You know. Unbelief isolates you. There's this amazing story in Mark chapter 9 where they brought a boy to, to Jesus. Um, uh, he'd been uh, afflicted by demonic power. And, 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 and when he came into the presence of Jesus, he convulsed. And uh, this is Mark 9 verse 20. And he threw him to the ground. In verse 21, he, Jesus asked the father, he said, how long has he, this has been happening to him? And the father said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both. He has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if, if, it's not, it's not about if I can do anything. The question is if you can believe. If you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Can anyone relate to that? I can. I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to believe and I need to believe, but I just don't seem to, to I don't seem to believe in the way, in the way that I should. Help me, Lord. Help me in that area because I need to, belief means that I press in. Belief means that I take action. Belief means that I don't rely on the way that I'm feeling. I choose to believe that my God is able to set me free. I choose to believe that, that my circumstances are not going to box me in. I'm going to worship anyway. If God is as great, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship Him uh, uh, in the valley, I'm going to worship Him in the mountain. I'm going to worship it wherever, with, in good seasons, in bad seasons, in tough seasons. I'm going to find a way of worshiping Him because it's in my connection with this great God that I'm going to find the answers. Not wallowing in self-pity, not wallowing in my pain, not wallowing in my doubt and my unbelief that seeks to leave me where I am. God does not want us locked in by our pessimism. Pessimism leads us to a place where I'm going to live small. In other words, I live, I live with that neg negative mentality. And honestly, I, I think we're really good at it in this part of the country. Like from here north, we're really good at just making sure that we live in such a way that we're not disappointed. You know, the things that we say, uh, you know, it's probably, probably not going to work, but let's give it a go. You know, nothing, nothing good ever happens to me. 
I don't know why I bother trying. You know what? Better to play safe. Better the devil, you know. Oh, no, probably not here. I don't know. <laughs> don't get your hopes up. Worst case scenario. We, we trap ourselves by our own language. Because rather than facing disappointment, we, we limit ourselves, we protect ourselves, we put that protection around me because then, then I don't have to face disappointment. I don't have to face the pain of it. If I, if, I believe, if I believe for little, I won't be disappointed. If I get a little bit more than little, well, praise the Lord, I'm happy. My God, is that a way to live? Is that a way to trust and believe this great God? That we, that we live in, that, that actually I'm not meant to protect myself in that way. I'm meant to trust Him. I'm meant to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. Sometimes to follow God means that this does not make sense in the natural. You see, the thing is this. If the glass is... Half full, if maybe you're a kind of person here who sees the glass as half full or maybe you see the glass as half empty. The truth is both is true. It just all depends on your perspective. But one perspective will lead you to the awareness of the abundance of God and another perspective will lead you to an awareness of lack. God does not want us to live in a fear of lack. He wants us to live in trust and faith that He is able to meet all my needs according to His glorious riches who are in Christ Jesus. We need to, that's why we need each other. That's why I need your stories. Because on a tough day, on a down day, on a bad day, when it's hard to believe, sometimes I need your story. To ignite something in me. Have you ever had that experience when, when, you, when someone shared a story and something got ignited in you again? And you say, yes, Jesus, come on, Lord. Yeah, if you can do it for them, Lord, you can do it. You can do it for me. That, that's, why, that's why when we encourage one another, when we spur one another on, when we build one another up, something gets ignited in us. It's a great, a great place to be. It's why I believe that actually sharing our faith should be a normal part of our lives because when I get to share about the good things that God has done for me, I'm reminded of my own story. I get reminded again of my own journey. I get reminded again of the great things that God has done for me. Has God done great things for you? My God. Great story here is that Elijah recovers. Elijah recovers. I don't know, you, you may be in a very down place today. You may be in a depressed state, state today. You, you may be feeling overwhelmed. You may be feeling fed up. Maybe you're feeling I've had enough. Maybe you're feeling like giving up, just like the great man of God, Elijah, did. But you need to understand the same God who helped this man recover is able to help you recover. There is no circumstances anywhere on the face of the earth that is so overwhelming that God Himself cannot reach down into your life, reach down into your pain, reach down into your situation and bring healing and bring hope and bring recovery and bring restoration. 
In the next verses of 1 Kings 19, we read, the Lord said to Elijah, after he got to a place where he could hear this, he said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. The Bible says that then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. You know what what was happening here? God was dealing with Elijah's expectations of how God was going to turn up. Elijah had an expectation that this great, powerful God only turns up in the sensational. In this moment, God's message to Elijah was drop your preconceived ideas of how God is going to deal with your situation. When you hand your situation over to God, don't start telling him how to, how to solve it. We don't know. We're not God. Anyone happy about that? God, God met Elijah in this moment, but it was not in the way he perceived. See, I'm not meant, I'm not meant to deal with my inner bully in my own strength. It's not about trying harder and just white knuckling it out and saying, no, come on, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. It's not, it's not, about, it's not about that. God through His Spirit and through worship and through His Word and through you wants to bring healing and hope to my life, but it may not be in the spectacular and the sensational. Because for Elijah in this moment, it came in a gentle whisper. I wonder, I wonder what that must have been like. You know, I thought, how can we bring a bit of life to this moment? The guys are just going to help me now that, you know, God said to Elijah, you come out now and you, you, you anticipate God. You come and, come and get ready to stand in the presence of the Lord. And the Bible says there was a mighty wind. God was not in the wind. And then there was an earthquake. But God was not in the earthquake. And then there was the fire. But God was not in the fire. Elijah. Elijah. 
I've got you. I'm your God. You are my child. Imagine what it might look like if we lived life in such a way that God did not have to scream at us to get our attention. changes your circumstances. He will teach you. 
even in the storm. When you are surrounded by His peace and His love, there is no safer place. to the end of this message we hope you've been challenged and inspired stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media just search Heart Church UK